You're listening to Inside Outside Innovation, Episode 60. Today's show is an interview with Dave Matten, a global leader at Trendwatching. He talked about the shift he's observed in the values of status and some examples of how that shift has affected marketing and branding. You can find his contact info in the show notes. Hi everyone, I'm Victory, the producer of Inside Outside Innovation, the podcast that brings you the latest insights from people who know the most about building lean businesses, innovating within corporations, and disrupting entire industries with passion and precision. Reach out to us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or on our website, insideoutside.io. Now, let's get started. Before we get started, uh, I'm not sure how much our audience knows about trend watching. So kind of give us a little bit of background about what you've been doing over the last few years and uh, what you're seeing out there in the world uh, of disruption. Of course, yeah. So trend watching is the world's best known, I guess, uh, most established independent consumer trends firm. Our obsession is just as it sounds with consumer trends, really with where consumers, where customers are heading next. And we're just known for relentlessly spotting and writing about and talking about these consumer trends. We publish a ton of free content online. That's how most people come across us and hopefully grow to love us. And many people do. Um, and out, we're a freemium business. So out of that, we carve kind of a client list out of, out of our many hundreds of thousands of free readers. And really, at heart, it's all about watching innovations. We're fueled by this spotting network of thousands of people around the world sending us examples of new products, new services, campaigns that they see. And the team of analysts that I lead are really just joining the dots between those innovations, spotting the new directions of travel, spotting the trends. Yeah, and that's what we're all about. So publishing a lot of free content, carving a client list out to our free readers. Yeah, you've been, you've been very prolific at, at doing so and, and speaking at a lot of conferences and, and telling the world about what's going on out there. So let's dive into kind of one of the, the latest ones that you've kind of published and are focused on. It's one called Truthful Consumerism. So we're living, obviously, everybody can probably feel it, this world of disruption, change, you know, technologically, politically, everything seems to be moving from under our feet. So how can companies and brands kind of be approaching this new normal uh, of disruption? And what are you seeing in that space? Right. I mean, it's a huge question and one we were you know, we really wanted and kind of souped ourselves up to address. We looked around us at, at the beginning of 2017 and just kind of went, wow, you know, 2016 has been an epic year in terms of change, in terms of unexpected events like Brexit in the UK, Trump in the US, continuing tumult around Europe, you know, the refugee crisis, Duterte in the Philippines. It just seemed an incredible moment for the world. And of course, you know, we knew everyone was talking about that. We wanted to bring our unique perspective, our unique lens on it, which is always, you know, what does this mean for business? What does this mean for brands? What does this mean for consumer expectations? And how should you respond? So that's really the question we set about asking ourselves. And truthful consumerism is the result of that research and analysis kind of process, really. Uh, and it's a pretty hefty piece of content, and there's like kind of lots of spin-off content around it. But at heart, our answer was to say, yes, now is a deeply uncertain, fractious, 
angry moment. You know, you have populism, you have polarized societies, you have a great deal of anger, but that doesn't change the fact that a, a handful of powerful progressive forces are shaping our future and will continue to shape our future, our shared future around the world in the years to come. And if brands can ride those forces, can leverage those forces, ground their innovation in those forces, really, then they will be grounding their innovation in something sort of very meaningful and lasting and serving consumers something of value. And of course, we're going to talk more about this, this, but these five forces were uh, transparency, aspiration, positive impact, tolerance, and empowerment. So five big forces that we think are shaping our shared future, shaping the future of people's lives, of our societies. If you ground your innovation in those forces, one or more of them, you'll be on ground that is meaningful and lasting and you can build value as a brand. That was our answer in a nutshell. Yeah, and I, what I really liked about it is the fact that, you know, a lot of times we kind of uh, silo business uh, and politics and, and, you know, we try to avoid those kind of touchy subjects and things along those lines. But what you're saying is kind of the world is changing such that you, know, you can't avoid these things. And, and what used to be, you know, siloed in business and you could create a brand or, around your value proposition around the features and the functionality of whatever you were creating kind of bleeds over and this this melding and this this opportunity to to cross boundaries and that is is increasing and that's changing the way companies have to address that as well so talk to me about right. what, why right. you decided to kind of take and tackle that particular subject and and what you're seeing in that space yeah well i, I think you make a fascinating point there which is exactly right you know Often businesses, especially big businesses, legacy brands, corporations, essentially just want to ignore this kind of stuff because it means wading into controversial, you know, they don't want to talk about anything political or anything kind of that's causing social kind of anger or factiousness because that's just wading into controversial territory and they don't feel comfortable there. But I think the point you make is totally accurate. It's becoming impossible for brands to ignore this stuff. We're in an incredibly volatile environment now, and you only just have to look around at some of the big events in sort of business and consumerism in the past few months to see that. I mean, you know, look at what happened around Delete Uber. You know, Uber was held to have kind of responded improperly in a way some people didn't like to the Trump travel ban. Delete Uber suddenly is, you know, trending all over the internet, like 300,000 accounts went up in flames in the matter of days. You know, then look at what we've just had, this massive kind of firestorm around the Pepsi, Kendall right. Jenner ad, you know, that again, some people, you know, found kind of borderline offensive in the way it handled the imagery and symbolism. I wrote something about this on LinkedIn. I just couldn't resist, you know, putting in my two cents. Right. The imagery and symbolism of kind of the resistance movement and um, Black Lives Matter in the US, you know, some people found the way they played with that, that kind of imagery unpalatable. And there was a huge firestorm online that had to retract the ad, which must have cost millions of dollars in like less than 12 hours. That ad was dead and gone. It's very, very hard now for brands to ignore this new environment, this kind of populism fueled, polarization fueled environment. So then how do you respond? And just as a side note, I think there's a deep reason for that. People increasingly want to engage with brands who they feel have good values, right? Have mm -hmm. good ethics, have values that they share as a consumer. And the deep reason for that 
is because status as a human being in our very, very affluent societies is becoming much less about what we own, what we possess. That's the kind of old fashioned form of status. Look at my amazing car, look at my you know, fancy designer handbag, whatever. We're so affluent now that those kind of status markers are losing their power. And status now is much more about who I am as a person than what I own, what I possess, anything material. Now in that kind of environment, the brands you engage with, their values become more important to you than ever because those values are, when you engage with a brand, you're telling the world a story about yourself and you want that story to be positive. You want it to be a story that you feel happy telling. Like I'm a good ethical person with these kind of values. You want to engage with brands that tell that story about you. And you deeply want to do that now because your status is so tied up in who you are as a person rather than the old fashioned form status, which is like what you owned how expensive your house was, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So that, that's the real deep kind of tectonic shifting of the plate around the deep forces that fuel consumerism, like status is one of those deep forces. That's meaning consumers care much more about this kind of stuff, so brands can't ignore it. And that's part, a big part of what pushed us to write, you know, truthful consumerism. You know, what, ca what should you then do when yes. you can't ignore these issues? I mean, part of that status thing, it's almost like the status that you have by being tied to particular social causes and that are almost higher in some people's values than, again, like you said, the commercial or the traditional things that have been thought of as status or or symbolism from that perspective. So let's dig into a little bit about, about the uh, the report. So you mentioned these five forces or the five core truths, transparency, aspiration, positive impact, tolerance, and empowerment. T talk a little bit about uh, each one of those and, and how brands and uh, and big companies can use those or, or, or need to be aware of uh, these forces. Yeah, so those were the five big forces, almost five kind of mega trends really that we identified that you know, despite all the all the tumult, all the uncertainty of this moment we find ourselves in, you know, in the first kind of half of 2017, that those big forces will continue to shape our future in the years, in the decades ahead. Now, if you take transparency, we all know that the direction of travel is for people to expect to know, you know, pretty much anything about a brand and really pretty much anything about the world around them. Now, if you think about what's happened in the last handful of years with smartphones, because connectivity is the big, powerful driver here. We're, we're accustomed now to a world where we pick up a device or we take a device out of our pocket and just can instantly know pretty much anything about the world around us. That expectation is so hard-coded in their brains that it's just not going away. But there's still lots of road left to travel. There's still lots of ways that brands can make themselves more transparent or brands can help make the world around us more transparent, more instantly knowable. Okay, we used to be able to sit at a screen and find out whatever we want, but we now expect the entire world to almost be our Google or almost be our smartphone and just tell us whatever we want instantly. So that's a great example of one of these very powerful forces that if you as a brand leverage, if you ground your innovation in that force, you'll be doing, you'll be standing on kind of meaningful ground, building value for consumers. And we look at a couple of, well, more than a couple, we look at a handful of examples of that, you know, ranging from the pretty traditional if you like so we have an example where Stella McCartney the, the fashion brand pushed their kind of brand transparency a step further by saying we are going to undertake now environmental profit and loss accounting so we're actually going to quantify 
quantify and then make clear, make public our impact on the environment as a brand, which is just an interesting new way of pushing brand um, transparency, you know, to the next level, to the next stage. Let's actually put a number on our impact and tell the world about it. Another example I love, if you're not a big legacy brand, but you're a startup, what about building your in- entire brand vision around the truth, the, the force that is transparency? So there's this wine brand called Alit from uh, the United States, and their, their entire kind of purpose as a brand is to challenge the kind of opaque, mysterious nature of the wine industry, mm-hmm. and they break down their entire kind of production and process methods and put a price or a cost on all of them to, to tell you why the bottle, kind of the bottle of like Pinot Noir red wine that they sell for $23.75 costs $23.75. Right. Like, you know, the CEO is like, the wine industry is so opaque, no one really understands why a bottle of wine costs X dollars, do you know what I mean? It's so mysterious and they've kind of cultivated that over the years, for the centuries even, we are gonna go in completely the opposite direction. We're a wine brand, the first ever wine brand, that's built totally around the idea of transparency. So the transparency is the first one. Uh, aspiration, uh, positive impact, tolerance, empowerment. Which other ones are kind of ones you'd like to tell us a little bit more about? Yeah, I mean, a- aspiration, I think, is a, is a huge one. So again, you know, we chose aspiration of one, as one of these five truths, as we call them, or powerful forces shaping our future. And there's some hugely powerful drivers there, you know. So when we say aspiration, we essentially mean the the individual drive and the individual expectation of advancement and self-improvement and just betterment as a human being. So that is a hugely powerful force that is only going to intensify in the years, in the decades ahead. And there's a few big reasons we talk about for that. You know, the, the global aspiration race is only going to get bigger because the global middle class is going to grow enormously, you know, in the years and decades ahead, hundreds of millions of new middle class kind of global citizens in China, in India. These are people whose basic needs are met, who have disposable income, who are able to turn their attention to the status race, to aspiration. So the global aspiration race or status race is going to grow but it's also going to become more intense. And again, connectivity is the massive driver there. Every single connected person in the world now has a window onto the most incredible lifestyles on the planet. Every single connected person in the world can, can find out in an instant that like, you know, Kendall Jenner has just bought her fifth mansion and she's only <laughs> 19 years old. Um, and that is tangibly, and I think it's fair to actually measurably intensifying the status race. It's changing people's expectations for their own lives. And that's particularly detectable if you dig into this online and you look at the numbers and the studies now of life satisfaction and life kind of lifestyle expectations. That's particularly measurable in poorer countries where expectations in terms of lifestyle used to be kind of pegged lower because people Mm -hmm. tend to compare themselves to their neighbors, right? So if you're in a poorer country, you're comparing yourself to your neighbors, your expectations are not the same as those in, in richer countries. That now, and this is you know, perhaps not a particularly happy fact, is being swept away by the fact that even in poorer countries, you know, loads of people have smartphones and they're all, like all of us in the more affluent countries too, they are all pointed in one direction at the very pinnacle of kind of, you know, 
opulent, amazing, incredible lifestyles on the planet. And that's changing their expectations. So the status race is going to intensify. And as we talked about a bit at the beginning, it's also going to morph. It's going to change shape because status in affluent countries is increasingly not so much now about material advancement. That's a part of it. Of course, it will always be a part of it. But it's increasingly about who I am as a person, like more connected, more creative, healthier, more stylish, you know. And obviously social media has been a massive amplifier of that because it's turned who I am as a person into this currency that I like trade online. So I don't want to give away everything. Go, go download it and we'll, and we'll have uh, information on the, and the show notes. And uh, Dave, you can tell us a little bit more how to find out more information about it. But it's kind of to wrap up. Obviously, this world of disruption is not going to uh, slow down anytime soon. If, if you were to kind of give our listeners, those corporate innovators out there that are, are trying to push against the status quo, even within their own organization, what are some of the things that they should be telling their bosses or, or telling their, their partners or, or telling their consumers out there? What are some of the things they should be doing or thinking about to kind of move the ball forward tangibly and tactically in the, in the next uh, year? Yeah, I mean, you know, you might expect me to say this, but I think you need to be watching trends, right? We're in such a, or, you know, you might not want to describe it to yourself that way, but that's, but the process that I think you need to be undertaking is one that I essentially call trend spotting or trend watching. We know that the pace of innovation is faster than ever. It's insanely fast. And we know that the pace of um, expectation change, you know, among consumers is insanely fast too. And that can just feel, you know, totally overwhelming. But if you watch innovations, if you watch the new products, the new services, the new campaigns coming into the market now through a particular lens, and that's a very simple lens of, uh, that's all about asking, you know, what's the human, basic human need being served by this innovation? What's changing in the world to make this innovation possible? And crucially, you know, how are customer expectations going to be changed by this innovation? Like when people use this thing or they see it even, how will their expectations be changed? And what does that mean for me? If you walk around asking that those simple questions about everything you see, every new innovation you see, that empowers you to spot trends, to spot the emerging, to spot expectations as they're emerging, as they're coming down the pipeline before they really hit you. Right. And then you can think about your response. So, so if I had one advice, it would just be to, to have some people in your organization who are in the ha- who get in the habit of that. And it's a very simple thing. It becomes a habit, it just becomes a new way of looking at the world around you, basically, so that you can you then have in place a very simple process, a very simple strategy that's about saying we understand that new expectations will be heading our way. Mm-hmm. We have a process in place to kind of spot those before they kind of hit us, right? And sometimes they hit you like a tsunami and just wash you away. But before that happens, we see them coming and we can start to innovate, to respond. We can start to think, what could we put out that will serve those expectations? That's the end of another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you've got a topic or area you'd like us to dig into, let us know because we'd love to share our insights and invite other experts like Dave onto the show so that they can share theirs. Until next time, go out and innovate.